over the past few weeks, we've been looking at this idea of discipleship. We've looked at how within the church, many of us uh, have settled for membership over discipleship. And that's because of, of the request and the demand that discipleship places on our lives. And last week, we even went a step further um, and looked at the question of, while we may say, so-and-so needed to hear that, what about us? Am I a disciple? We asked the question, who is leading who in your life? Or put more basically, are you a disciple? And as we, we've looked at this goal of being a disciple and what it means to be like Jesus, we've, we've come to realize that it is to practice the ways of Jesus. It's, it's that his loves become our loves, his joys our joys, his pursuits our pursuits. And even so far as to say that what breaks his heart breaks ours. This, this call to be a disciple is a call to, to change, which is one of the reasons that for many of us it is so difficult. We, we don't like change in our lives. We're all, we're all driven by change. We want to see things change so long as we don't have to change. And, and it's interesting to me that um, if you look in Matthew 4, uh, at Jesus calling the disciples, Jesus finds them and they're doing what they do. Uh, they're fishing. They're, they know about fishing. They know how to fish. They know what that looks like and what that means. And, and Jesus calls them and says, we're going to do this a little bit differently now. We're going to change it up, if you will. We're going to make a shift in how we approach life. And Jesus tells them, I will make you fishers of men. He takes exactly what they've been doing and says, let's shift. Let's pivot. Let's change how we do this. And the rest of the gospel of Matthew is the story of Jesus and the disciples learning to do life and ministry. And they're learning from Jesus as Jesus is making them fishers of men. And as the gospel ends, we we hear Jesus essentially look at them and say, all right, you've got it. You know what to do now. This is I've, I've equipped you to be my disciples. Now go do fish for men. And he says this in Matthew 28 where he says that now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Obviously this is after Jesus' death so there's only 11 disciples as Judas is no longer with them. And he, so he goes to, they go to where Jesus directed them and when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what we hear in this, I love the fact that like even as this is happening, the twelve that have, there are the eleven rather now that have been walking with Jesus, it says that some believed and some doubted. But and we're going to touch on that a little bit later. But what we hear um, is a, is a vision or a mission statement, if you will. 
If you're United Methodist, uh, as I am, the vision statement of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of all of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we and we hear this, and we hear a transformation of the world. That is a big ask. How does that? How does this happen? And, and we hear it laid out for us here in Jesus' command. It is the the exponential growth. It is the fact that disciples make disciples. And so, as you make disciples, as Jesus made a disi- make disciples, they go forth and, and bring others in. They go. They are called to go forth and make disciples. And we, as if we can answer and say, "Yes, I am a disciple." Our call is the exact same: to go forth and make disciples. And as a minister, there's you often get asked, uh, you know, what's your vision for the church, uh, for the church that you're serving, or for the church universal? It doesn't really matter, but you get asked a lot, what is your vision? What is your dream, church? And and I think that I'm not alone in saying that many pastors would agree this is our vision. This call for disciples to make disciples, to be a disciple-making body. This call, this call to go and be, to stop just doing church, but to start being the church. And, and as we are, have co- are covered in the dust of Christ, as we talked about the true calling of a disciple, is to be covered in the dust of Christ as we sit at his feet and, and partake in his teachings, as we follow so closely behind him that as he walks, the dust from his sandals cakes upon us, as we are covered in his dust to go forth and share with others. You see, church, as we've talked about, is not something that you attend, but it's who you are. And it's who we are becoming. And and this transforming of the world part, or as Jesus says, going to the ends of the world, is that we don't get to pick and choose who we make disciples of. You just give them Jesus. It's the fact that you've become so enamored, so filled with, so inundated with who Jesus Christ is that it flows from your very pores. I was listening to a podcast um, called Napkin Scribbles earlier today, and it talked about the fact that as you know Jesus, that that's the same word in Hebrew as when Adam knew Eve. And it's the idea that when that happens, that something comes forth, something must be conceived. And so what is conceived is is that we are conceiving a heart for Jesus Christ. We are, we are birthing new life into this world as we are bringing forth Jesus Christ into this world. To the, to the ends of the earth. And I love the fact that it says that, he's, that some were worshiping and some even doubted. This beautiful depiction that, that those with faith and those who doubt come to the same place to encounter Jesus. That there's room even for those that are still questioning that assurance is not a prerequisite for discipleship. Because how does Jesus respond to this group? This mixed group of worshipers and doubters. He gives them all the same commission. He says, go make disciples. Even those of you that are doubting at this moment, go make disciples. Go teach. Go share. And notice that this is called the Great Commission because there's a difference in a command and a commission. A commandment is, is all on you. It's you go do it. You either obey or disobey. But a commissioning is that you've been, it's more of a team effort. You've been given what you need. 
You're not merely just told, go do it, but you're equipped, you're empowered, and you're given the necessary authority to accomplish your, your duty. You, you are given what you need. If, if you commission an artist to make a picture or to paint a picture, you're going to give them what they need to make the picture. Uh, it's this idea of when I get told to go do something by, by my wonderful, loving wife, that if she says, hey, I want you to go hang these pictures, um, but we don't have the stuff to hang a picture with, then I'm being commanded to do that. But I could say that she's commissioning me if she says, here's a hammer, here's a nail, here's some wire, go hang this picture. She's commissioning me. And when Jesus gives this commission, he's saying that you have what you need. Remember in Matthew 4, he says, I'm going to teach you to be fishers of men. And now he's saying, you've got what you need to go fish for men. And if you, and what he's telling us is, you've got what you need. This commission is different than the commandment. As commissioned, we are given not only a task, but the tools to succeed. Jesus is with us on this journey. As we hear, even to the end of the age, Jesus is commissioning us, his followers, to go out and save the world. And right now, so often we, though, we see churches that are hoping that people will come in and save the church, that they'll come in and they'll be good tithers or good church members or good volunteers. And Jesus says, no, you're missing the point. He told the disciples to go and build great churches, to go and make disciples, and that, to not wait on them to come to him, but to go out and do that, that if you want to see the church grow and expand, it's because you go out and give them Jesus. Teaching them to obey in my commands, as Jesus says. And to obey Jesus' command is to be a disciple. It's to follow his lead over our own wants and desires. No matter the cost, to live as he lived. It's that fulfillment of the great commandment. He says, you want to know how to fulfill this commission you follow my teachings, which is to love God and love neighbor. That as we make disciples, we, we baptize and we teach. And, and we're given this authority and power. Christ's power is not this manipulation or exhortation of dominance. It's not, I told you, now you go do. But it's a power that he passes on. That we are equipped with the Holy Spirit to go forth. We are strengthened by the Holy Spirit. We are guided by God's wisdom to go forth, to teach, and to baptize are the ways that Jesus shares this power. As we are taught, we go forth and teach. As we have been baptized into the family, we go forth and bring others into the family. This divine power and authority are revealed and shared, not hoarded. And for many of us as the church, we say, well, we've got the power and people just need to want to come to us and Jesus goes no you go out and you share it so think about this who brought you into the faith who walked with you into a relationship with Jesus Christ who equipped you and taught you and spoke truth into your life and this may be the same person but who is currently holding you accountable as you continue on your journey of faith, because as we talked about last week, this journey of discipleship is a never-ending journey of wisdom and faith. As you grow in Christ, who helped to disciple you? And how did they do that? 
Because there are different ways to do discipleship. Some people respond really well to sitting in a classroom and learning that way. Some people need the relationship aspect of engaging people and being engaged in their lives and just knowing how much you care. And there's different ways to do it, but that's the beauty of the body of Christ is we're all equipped differently to go forth and make disciples. But here's the question. As, you, as we, you've been able to answer who helped make you a disciple, who is helping to make you a disciple, who are you walking with? Who are you holding accountable? As you begin, who are you helping to lead towards Christ? As you are being led, who are you leading? Who are you helping to lead? As a disciple, who are you discipling? Because this is when we are being the church. This is what being the church truly looks like. When we are acting as Christ's hands and feet in this world. When his loves, as we talked about, become our loves. And he loves his creation. He loves his people. So we should love his people. When his joys, and there's no greater joy. We hear about this over and over. How he leaves the 99 and searches for the one that is lost. And rejoices when the one that is lost is found. So we should seek that joy as well as we embrace his pursuit for the lost and our heart breaks for those that don't know Jesus Christ because what breaks his heart breaks ours so let us go and love and spread joy and pursue after the lost and the hopeless not losing sight of the beauty that the promise that he makes at the end of it is will be that he will be with us until the end of the age i love that the end of the great commission is what we so often wrap up our worship services with at pearl fumc which is the the uh, commissioning the sending forth of the where we proclaim that the best of all is that God is with us this is what gives us the strength to go and share this is what this is actually what we go and share that the best of all is that God is with us this is why we go and share so let us stop just doing church and start being church amen